0: welcome to another edition of the inside scoop my name is neil crawford i'm your host and also the founder of anytime soccer training if you're not familiar with the inside scoop it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world now this show is brought to you in part by anytime soccer training Give me a second to tell you about anytime soccer training. It's the only program with literally over 5,000 video based training sessions. And what makes it very unique is every move is 100% follow along, or I should say, every video is 100% follow along, and there's a dedicated move for each video and then once the person gets the move then they combine it into a longer video another thing that makes it unique is every skill area is covered in the application i was on the field today just today uh doing an hour training session with my sons and i always see my buddies out there uh, doing sessions and one of my friends i've been telling him about the app for years and you know, he's going to do his own thing. And that's fine. You know, a lot of times familiarity breeds contempt. But every two seconds, he'd pull out his phone. And I could tell he was going to YouTube, showing his son to move. Then they would do it. they pull out his phone. they show his son to move, do it again. And every single thing he was showing his um, son, it's already in the app. And it's also, also searchable. But it also follows a logical step-by-step. How do I know that? Because I used to have the same problem. I used to have the exact same problem. And I would write all this stuff out. Then I would get my sons to, pro- to make sure they understood the terms and understood the move. And then we'd go to the field. And I would do that over and over again. Yeah. And occasionally I would find a YouTube video that was follow along, but it was too, either too long or didn't have the variety, whatever. And so I set out to solve that problem. I'm trying to solve that problem for parents who work with their kids. And I'm trying to solve that problem for teams that want to assign their kids homework. And that portal was coming out in a few weeks and you're going to be able to give all your kids uh soccer training homework and know that the videos are about five minutes each cover all the different skill areas 100 follow along and follow a logical progression so with that being said check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about the program it's absolutely free to join and when you join um you get a lot of free content no matter what no renewals nothing all right, so that's enough on that. Now let's get on to the show. So allow me to introduce myself to our first-time listeners and our newbies. Again, my name is Neil Crawford. I'm the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. But throughout this podcast, I have also given myself a few other self-proclaimed titles. Now, I started off with just become just calling myself the mayor or unofficial mayor of parent trainers and I'm going to drop a show in the show notes that kind of goes over what a parent trainer is and is not but in short we're just we're practical people who happen to be parents who are just looking at this thing saying wait a minute team training is just not enough the player has to do some stuff on their own many of us are in north america or in the states and we know the kids are not getting enough free play so they got to get some extra touches some kind of way and we're not in a position for a number of reasons to solely outsource our training to someone else so we don't have the 40 50 60 70 dollars an hour to pay someone to pass the ball back and forth to our kid and then let them shoot now no knock on anyone who has that kind of um that means but even if you do have that kind of money is that is that trainer going to come to your house and do a five-minute ball mastery session probably not and that's where we that's where we hope to step in so that's sort of the parent trainer and did not have anything to do with soccer is going it be anything is a tutor going to come to your house and go over your kids spelling list no you got to get your hands dirty right if they're in these especially if they're in these competitive environments but at the same time we know that you know uh by helping them out they acquire certain skills and confidence and they they enjoy the game more so that's the parent trainer but i'm also a self-proclaimed parent advocate and not going to go too much into that, but effectively we know that there are a lot of cray cray parents out there. I, you know, present company included. We've all got some crazy tendencies because we're seeing our loved ones, our offspring struggle at times or in these competitive environments. So we, at a minimum, we have crazy tendencies, but we all know that there are crazy parents out there. And the coaching industry the parent education industry does a good job of admonishing these crazy parents but when we as practical parent trainers add nuance or search for nuance or introduce any degree of complexity to the to the marketing messages in the parent education we're receiving we receive we are often lumped into the crazy parent category but we're actually in the middle because we definitely understand the coach's perspective. Many of us are coaches. Many of us are trainers. So we understand that perspective in dealing with parents, right? But we're also sort of in the middle and in that we're not coach or trainer worshipers either. There's a level of complexity in terms of what we're trying to achieve. And that also goes to the parent education that we receive so for example it's not uncommon for us to hear messages that say something to the effect of you know as a parent the only thing you really need to be doing is telling your kid you love to watch them play no argument there i heard that message years ago and i adopted it for myself in various ways especially after they, my sons play like soccer game and after training and that kind of stuff. Just let them detox and do their thing. But oftentimes these messages leave it there, that general advice, and they don't allow us to ask what I call follow-up questions. And these follow-up questions are, are the hard questions that ask us to wrestle with some assumptions that we know to be true at some level, or at least have a kernel of truth Um, allow us to wrestle with those assumptions and allow us and force them to reconcile the advice they're giving with these assumptions. So for example, an assumption can be, hey, people who spend more time on practicing a skill tend to be better at that skill and perform better. And then the higher performers, especially in a competitive team environment, tend to get the most rewards, tend to enjoy the experience more, tend to do it longer, right? And surely there is an uh, ideal uh, scenario that you can paint where a kid gets some extra touches at home and that leads to that child being more skillful, more confident, and enjoy the experience overall, right? So, And you're just not going to get there if you're just completely laissez-faire, hands off, and let the development process do its thing right so those are the types of things we're trying to we try to reconcile right and then the final thing i'm adding the final title i guess i'm adding to uh, my resume is i am an unofficial member of the soccer parent consumer protection agency because at the end of the day you are paying for a service. And even if you're getting that service for free, so you're in an academy, you're still paying with your child's time, your time, and there's other costs associated with it, even if you're not paying for the tuition, right? There's an opportunity cost because you could be somewhere else as well. So what happens is that most of the education that we receive and most of the messages that we receive fall into two big categories. They're either marketing messages, you know, dedicated to getting parent, attracting parents and players, or they are coaches speaking to each other uh, designed to further the um profession of coaching, right? And I'm agnostic in terms of are these good, are these bad? You have to market, take it from someone who has a small business. And oftentimes I want to be marketed it too. someone marketed it to me about a tournament in Florida. We're probably going to go to, I'm glad I learned about it. Right. And Um, And then also, I love listening to coaches. That's how I get my information. Talk to each other, produce content that help other coaches further the education of coaching. But as a self-proclaimed member of the parent consumer agency uh, department or, or whatever organization, we have to remember that there is a underlying assumption that many of these conversations messages take that may or may not be true and that that assumption is everybody involved is very competent everybody involved is executing what they're saying um really good and so when they say they're focused on development the assumption is they're actually focused on development and now they're just having a conversation about what that looks like um Given the fact that everybody is uh, competent, well, this doesn't come off well in social media. It definitely doesn't come off well in any, any writing, and I don't this podcast is not designed to criticize anyone, but as a parent and you know a discerning person listening to this, we know that everybody's not competent. Everybody's not as dedicated to your child as you would want them to be. And some people are not doing what they need to do, and it's not intentional. they just don't even know, right? And so what, what I want to do is build a community where we start translating these messages and helping people ascertain, especially new parents to youth soccer, ascertain if what they're seeing and what they hear, sorry, if what they're hearing is actually happening. And I have done a couple of podcasts where I slowly try to offer my opinion, but it's just an opinion. I got my um, coaching license on Facebook and my PhD on, on Google. So what I'm going to do is start inviting folks on to, who, are, who have experience, who are coaches, club directors, blah, 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 to heart, start helping us think about this stuff from a more um, knowledge or research-based perspective. But let me try to give you one example of what I mean by decompose. And then I'll try to give you one quick example of what I mean by is what I'm seeing out there actually happening. So in terms of translating and decomposing and stuff, when, when I, I offered my definition, crude definition of development, and I said, hey, listen, development is a process or the development, yeah, development is a process that can be replicated, that takes what the player is bringing to the table, And then teaches them something as well, trains them in the, with the goal of improving on-field performance individually, individually within the team context, and then, um, and then the team. So if I tell you I'm focused on development, I'm focused on the process, I'm focused on improving a process that Takes what you're what you're bringing to the table. and improves on-field performance individually, on-field performance as an individual within the team context, and then on-field performance as a team. Right, and and the most important thing about that is, from my perspective, anyways, if I had custody of your child and was training them, is all this other stuff that and I'm gonna have to do a show on this. All this other stuff. Or can be that you hear often can be complementary factors to that process but they're not core components of that process so like level competition is not a core thing or playing in this particular tournament is not a core thing there's a there's, there's some core things that they have to be in place which i kind of talked about time instruction um effort repetitions but all that other stuff can help accelerate can help you know in a lot of ways but there's a core foundational process that I, at least I follow. Okay. So, and by the way, none of this stuff that I just told you, and I kind of got in the weeds there, none of it really helps me with sales at all. As a matter of fact, most and most times when I offer these types of uh, this offer, this nuance on social media or in writing somewhere, um, I end up being not liked more often than liked in many cases. But this is my passion There are only going to be a very small group of parents uh, youth soccer parents that this stuff even applies to and i know that because when i would talk to people about these concepts uh their eyes would glaze over and that's why i just go to, now i'm just starting to do it on the podcast and then people who want to hear it can hear it people who don't don't have to suffer um, through my voice anymore and all of that stuff brings me to a very mm, weedy and nuanced show that I'm going to drop for you today. So, we talked about parent, we talked about the messages that we we get when it comes to parent education. And one of those messages that you or one category of those messages you often get is you know they certain center around what you should and should not be doing as it relates to training whether it be training a kid individually or training a team don't waste your time doing this you should be focused on this or you should be focused on this at this age blah 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 and i want to add my own perspective on a very specific part of of this conversation and a very specific thing that I constantly see as it relates to advice given to folks about where they should spend their time in training but before we do that we have to take a step back and say what are some of the big categories of actually development and training well there's tactical right team stuff and what in tactical awareness and game understanding that kind of stuff and i'm not going to go into any details with explaining these i just want to give you that big framework so you understand where i tend to where i'm going to focus on this particular podcast and then just like any sport there's a physical fitness and performance element right there's a mental toughness of course and and a mental um component to any 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 sport and you have to handle that in a developmentally appropriate way sometimes some companies or some people are trying to fix they'll the you know there's an industry about fixing your confidence so some people will do that and then some of it is just more mindset training to help you uh realize your potential uh and understanding that the way you think is a big component of a driver of your ultimate success well as you can imagine i tend to focus on the technical aspect and even within that it's the um, skill acquisition piece of it and that's where um, where I spend a lot of my time and and as a a recap right because I'm not a coach even though I have coach I'm not a trainer even though I do train I'm really talking to you from the parent trainer perspective and from that perspective i want to do a recap to say as a parent i focus on the technical skills not only do i focus on the technical skills of my my sons and i encourage other parents to do the same but even within the technical skill part piece of what i focus on with my kids i think the parent is uniquely suited to um get the most gains when they focus almost exclusively on this following list within the technical areas. And that's the, that's aerial control. Now it's not the aerial control juggling, receiving the ball in the air dealing with it's not that that's disproportionately more important than anything else. As a matter of fact, you can argue it's less important. It's just one of the areas that the team is just not going to spend any time on and you are with your child 24 seven. So that's, that's where you can get five minutes here, five minutes there, on aerial control. Repetitions. We talked about the the club is going to be with your child a few hours a week. You're with your child every day, all day. So you are uniquely um, suited to help them get those repetitions. And they got to get a lot of repetitions and they just don't have time to do it in team training. You're uniquely suited to help them with their non dominant foot, right? Practice with their non dominant foot. Because for better or worse, most teams don't emphasize it enough. And that also working on your non-dominant foot requires a lot of repetitions that, that even if they did work on it in training a lot they just don't have enough it's just not enough time so you are uniquely suited to help that your child become two-footed and that's one of the greatest gifts in, uh that you can give them if they compete at a competitive level now these two are not technical technical but they are still important and where i as a parent tend to focus most of my energy so we talked about aerial control repetitions and non-dominant foot but also helping the child frame youth soccer to derive some of those important life lessons and then put this stuff in its proper context because you know and i talk about this on social media a lot we you know there are a lot of forces coming at us now in youth sports. One of them is fear of missing out. And so I try to help my kids understand that it's not a, it's not a race in that regard. You're going to, all these experiences that you're, that you're seeing other people doing, you're going to get, you're going to get them. So there's a fear of missing out. And then there's also this instant gratification thing going on that everything needs to be immediately fun all the time. And if they ain't, if it's not instantly fun, then the coach is not doing something right, so so I just try to help them frame that, and then frame the games as well. You're gonna make some mistakes. This is not the World Cup. Did you have fun? What did you learn? It's just not that serious. So that's that's my framing, and I, I talk a lot about that. And then another thing, the club, the parent is uniquely suited to at the most value is finding the right club, right? Finding a coach that inspires them, finding a the coach that's competent, has a sense of urgency, has a plan that you can see results on um, whatever you're looking for. Nobody is in a better situation to evaluate and find a club than you are. So that's kind of where I recommend focusing. So within that sort of area of technical development, I am going to, in this show, I'm going to talk about uh, some of the key areas. So if somebody were to ask me, you know, what is technical development or how would you def- describe technical development or technical or skill acquisition, I'm going to now go even deeper and say, okay, these are the categories uh, that I uh, use to help my children practice their technical development. Not, not, not necessarily just help my children. These are the categories that anyone who is becoming technical Whatever they're doing probably falls into these categories. And once I give you these categories, give you some examples of these categories, I'm going to summarize everything by explaining sort of why I'm making this, uh, why I'm going to this level of detail and how it relates to the parent education that we often receive. So the first big category, and you're going to be used to seeing this, is unopposed technical training. So when I say to you, Anytime Soccer Training has over 5,000 um, training videos and, and, and every, move is, you can, every move has its own dedicated video. Well, 85% of that stuff is unopposed. You are just doing it by yourself, no opposition. You can have some cones and other obstacles, but most of that stuff is unopposed technical training and then there's another percentage of it that's opposed because we have all these fun games and stuff where you are um doing it against someone like 1v1 and that kind of stuff and that so so but the majority of what you might see the videos I post are unopposed technical training then there's another i guess I, these are categories I'm creating some of them aren't universally understood but it's sort of the way I think about it right so take it for what it's worth it's unopposed technical variation right so in the context of anytime soccer training the reason we have so many videos again like five thousand, is because we are programmatically introducing technical variation in the way i wanted to introduce it with my sons before uh well yeah before anytime soccer training and in a way that i couldn't find before so I didn't, in other words, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel with technical unopposed technical variation. So what that might look like is the f- one move, maybe the kid is standing on one foot and they're um, pulling the ball around that, that other, that standing leg with the other, I think we, I can't remember the name of that drill. Uh, maybe i'll post it somewhere but they're standing on one foot and they're tapping the ball around that standing foot with the other foot and they're trying their best to get around as many times as they can without allowing the ball to touch the standing foot so that's one move and then and this might be technical variation leading into doing the l behind okay then can you do the l behind um with one touch you know with your left and then do it with your right and then Can you do the L behind with two touches to get a little bit more speed left and right? And then can you do the L behind, but then introduce a touch and then a soul roll return? And then can you do the L behind with just one foot? Can you do the L behind with two foots? And okay, you're doing that in ball mastery, but can you do that L behind while you get cones? Okay. Can you do that L behind while you're dribbling in space? Okay. Can you do that L behind with one, one V one moves and all of these, um, different ways can you do that elbow behind with a reverse and a fake all of these different ways of doing that one skill is what I'm calling unopposed technical variation because you 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 it's not game related in that regard and we're going to get there but it's just training the brain and there's a lot of science behind this that I'm actually not even qualified to speak on but you're just changing you're just sending neurons and you set, you're training the brain to be able to move your body in a certain way when, so that when you need to, um, you have that elasticity to be able to do it, basically. Okay, so that's, we got unopposed technical training, which you're used to saying, someone's out there doing TikToks. You got unopposed technical variations. So now you, you're doing that TikTok or you're doing that L behind, but you're doing it 500 different ways so that it just becomes part of who you are. I mean, you just can recall it as as easy as walking down the street. Then there is collaborative technical training. And with collaborative technical training, you do need other people. So The first two, unopposed technical training and unopposed technical variation, you do not need another person. You can do that individually. And I've talked about the importance of individual training. And an important part of it is just the self-reliance piece of it and what you control. Uh, You know, I I would never suggest anything to you or anything to my sons as it relates to getting better in soccer that requires, that where the core is, where it requires somebody else. No. Everything else you do that, that, that requires other people and other people to, to be on the same level as you is a bonus. So anyways, collaborative technical training. So that's juggling games. I'm kicking the ball. I'm kicking it off my thigh. You kicking it off your thigh. I'm kicking it off my thigh or any part of the body, you doing that, right? So we got that kind of stuff in the program. We got a lot of passing, a lot of aerial toss stuff in the program. Um, all of that is collaborative. And in, in team environments, you can do a lot of relays. You can do a lot of passing stuff where the success, there's no opposition, but the success of the drill requires folks to get the timing right and get the collaboration right. And that's actually sometimes it's painful for me to do this kind of stuff with my sons, but I do it anyways. That's the last thing they want to do is collaborate. Okay. Now we go on to oppose technical training now the one of the most common opposed technical training uh things you know of is just doing 1v1 i'm doing 1v1 i'm doing 1v1 and finishing against someone else right so i'm trying to take those unopposed and technical and all those variations and i'm trying to apply them when there's actual opposition someone can take the ball from me right right? now where where I'm where I'm going to go to next is where I personally believe personally believe there's some confusion. Right, and if you made it this far, I really appreciate it. I've rambled on a little bit, but here's where I think there's some confusion. There, the next way, the next category or module, whatever you want to use to help someone become a technical player is game-like simulations. And those usually, in my opinion, are controlled environment that are microcosms of a game situation or a game pattern, right? So you can do game-like simulations where it's a microcosm. So it's 2v1, 1v1, or, or Rondo with with you know, seven, two, Rondo, whatever. But it's, a, it's, it's not a soccer game, but it is a microcosm of a game situation or patterns or game patterns that you're going to need to be able to recall uh, when you actually play the game. And you're going to need to be able to use those unopposed technical training, that, that unopposed skill, the variations of that unopposed skill and be able to collaborate with others when there's opposition. So that's kind of that's kind of how I think about that. Okay. And then there is the actual games. Okay. So you can become, you can games help you in some respect acquire the skills you're gonna need to be successful in this in soccer. And the games uh follow. The, the games or the game format is a spectrum of free play all the way to structured. You know, we, we play in a structured game, referee and everything else. Now, of course, there is overlap in all of that stuff, but these are the big categories that I think about when it comes to technical training. And I'm going to get to why, where I think some of the confusion lies. And um so so now let me talk about some of the confusion. So one piece of confusion we we'll often hear is how content is delivered. So, so there are a lot of different ways. So these are the categories and there are a lot of different ways content can be delivered to a child. It can be coach centric, right? Like, and that's normally for beginners. Hey, I need you to do these toe taps for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you exactly what I need you to do. I want to make sure you're able to do it. That's like more of a co-centric. And then you got player-centric, where it's like, like literally they figure it out on their own, or you or there's some parameters, but they're kind of like leading their own um success in these particular uh drills or whatever. And then there is like some constraints level, and there's all kinds of where you where it's where where the coach is developing some constraints, but uh, maybe in a small side of games context, but at the end of the day, it's still more player like and not the coach just telling them what to do. And as parents, what you're going to often hear is people admonish you about being in environments that are very coach led. And you're going to hear them tell you, no, we want the kids to do this. What we want the kids to understand why, and blah, blah, blah. And oftentimes, and this is where I want to try. I'm I'm thinking about this stuff out loud, so I apologize, you know, if it's not clear. This is where I want to try my best to offer a little bit of clarity, not just with the methodology that's used to deliver the content, but actually what you're doing. So I told you one thing is how the content is delivered and you're often going to have people um criticize anything that seems too too much of a directive like hey, I need you to do this. They criticize that they want it to be more of the child leading the process. And the reason I think they say this is because that's actually how the game is played, right? Soccer is unique in that it's player led player driven it's a player driven game not not necessarily coach driven the the coach is just they don't have timeouts it's very fluent even the change of possession is so it's so quick that it has to be very player driven and so that's where a lot of that criticism comes from and I under, understand that but as again as a parent um, consumer protection person. I'm just saying that you got to add a little bit of nuance to this stuff and put it into its proper context. Well, another criticism you're going to hear is people are going to, they criticize any of the categories that I just mentioned. For I mean, they don't really criticize collaborative tra- technical training, mainly because I don't even think they think about it that way. But people criticize... Yeah, they they offer criticism to most of the other ones um, without proper context. So oftentimes on social media, and the folks who follow us on Facebook will know, and you can join Anytime Soccer or Facebook group, I'm often quoted as saying all the above. And so when I say all the above, this is literally what I mean. Unopposed technical training, unopposed technical variation, collaborative technical training, opposed technical training game-like simulations and games so what happens is and man i hope this makes sense but i'm not going to record it again i'll just have to do another summary later what happens is when someone sees a person do a unopposed technical training drill there's a couple things i think are missing number one they don't really appreciate at least from what i can see some of the metrics that I use, at least, in an unopposed setting. So there are some objectives that I use in an unopposed setting that if you don't use this type of framework, and I think I need to do a separate show on that, you may be missing some of the benefit of an unopposed setting. That's number one. And then number two, they don't appear to appreciate that doing that drill in that unopposed setting is just one of the categories, right? You have to do that. You got to do that. And you got to do add some technical variation to it. Then you got to do it collaboratively where there's some kind of team goal, but maybe there's not that much um, opposition. And then you got to do it in oppose in the game and then, and then ultimately in the game. So they don't, they don't appear to a, appreciate that. And so I'm constantly screaming all the above, all the above, all the above. And the reason that I focus um, a lot with my own sons on unopposed, technical training and unopposed technical variations is because number one, I don't live with 10 other kids. So most of the training we're doing is individually. And yes, I can step in and do some of this, offer some opposition, which I do. But um, again, the biggest value, one of the biggest values I feel is getting those repetitions in. And I don't wanna stress my kid out by trying to do something different all the time knowing that these are just extra touches uh, they're getting because they're ultimately going to go into their team environment. This is not the only training they're going to get. So I said a lot there, but one of the criticisms you, you hear often with the unopposed technical training is comes because they don't really understand all the measurements that you can use in an unopposed environment. And secondly, they don't understand it it's part of a larger, or at least they don't appear to understand it's part of a larger progression. Now, with the progression, though, however, I tend to think of it not so much linear, but as a circle. So my sons, you know, they started off just playing; they played all the time. They played with me all the time. You know, I didn't roll start off training them, and then that's and they do a lot of that stuff way before we get into, I guess you'd say, more structural, structured, unopposed technical training. And then they spend the majority of their time on a soccer pitch in a team-like environment. So it's all happening at the same time, um, but it's still part of a progression. So the best way I could describe it visually would be it's a circle, but it's it's a wheel that's constantly rolling, constantly rolling. And me as a parent trainer, I emphasize the portions of the, I should say, I emphasize the categories that I know this the, the club doesn't have time um, to do. And now I'm going to make one more very, very important point, but it's also very, very nuanced. You'll often hear people say, um, you can take this unopposed drill and you can make it more game-like. And ah, I, I never like, I, I don't like thinking about it like thinking about it like that I think that's just an over simplification so I I'd rather go into a two a little bit more detail about how I think about it and the criticism is don't just do I'm going to make this up don't just do toe taps do toe taps while you're dribbling and doing that because that's more like how you the skill you use in the game and I'm I'm trying to think about this out loud but no, I tend to say all right. We got unopposed training we we talked about. We we talked about adding the variations. So when they when they say that what they in my opinion what they're really saying is you can add technical variation to an unopposed technical drill. And that's what I do a lot and that's why we got 5000 training videos in the application. Because we add a lot of technical variation to um, an unopposed technical drill because you're going to need that technical variation when you start doing this stuff in opposition, against opposition, and in games. But where they fall short is, I don't think you can really train. And I talk about this with vision, and and, and it also applies to game. I think there's certain components that must be in place for in, for me to use the G word, for me to use the game. There's there are four main components. I hope I'm not missing anything that to be that have to be in place for me to use um, the word game or make something game-like. There must be some kind of objective to the game. There's got to be an objective, right? So when you play a real game, the objective is to win the objective can be, so the yeah, the overall objective is to win, to score more than the other team. now Now, how you score and what you're scoring, that can change, which brings me to the next point. There has to be some kind of reward. So an example would be in my son's training, it's not uncommon for them to do some kind of game where eventually they got to pass the ball the team that can move the ball and then pass it through two cones and it may be cones set up everywhere can win and they may have to get three or four passes through two or three gates um in order to win the game right and obviously another re, uh way of rewarding someone is they score right like you playing a game and i got two points and you got one we win right? So there are a lot of rewards. I mean, there's so many ways you can, how many passes you get, there's a lot of rewards. So you have an objective and the objective is to win. And the way you win is by whatever reward system that's set up for that for that particular game. And then to me, in order for it to be game-like, you got to have opposition, right? So uh, if, if you don't have oppor- op- opposition, to me, you're just adding technical variation to an unopposed technical training drill, which is important, but still, that's what you're doing. And finally, there has to be some consequence for your inability to execute, right? You're making the wrong decision. You're not, your first touch is not good. There has to be a consequence. And normally the consequences is you lose or you, or whatever, or you lose the ball or something like that. So those four points. So, so the, and the reason I say that is because it's not uncommon for me to, to and i'll give a specific example in a second it's not uncommon for me to see people on social media say oh you know you don't have to just do TikToks stationary and i'm using that example why don't you do tiktoks while you're dribbling this way and dribbling that way because that's more how you would use that skill in the game and what happens is and this is this is this is very very nuanced stuff and i gotta i'm probably to do some more shows to try to get deeper into this is if you what's the best way to say if you want to test your ability whether or not you have uh, increased on-field performance like I said there has to be consequences for your inability to do it in other words, if you do something in an unopposed environment that you are saying is game like and that's all you do, then there's it's very difficult for me to determine or ascertain if you actually can do that skill that you're that you're talking about. I have to set up in an unopposed environment. Sometimes I gotta set up measurements, and I think I gotta do another show on this, that lets me know and lets you know immediately that you're unable to execute this drill in an unopposed environment and when you introduce too much variability in an unopposed environment now of course you do that some a lot but i'm saying if i really want to ascertain your ability to do something then i gotta add structure to it so that you and i know if you're able to do it so let me try to give you examples a friend of mine that posts a lot of lot of great content on social media uh, in the facebook group and i'm actually gonna steal some of these drills and add them to the program and he has one drill which i really love where the player um rolls two soccer balls or one it doesn't matter he rolls them first and then he dribbles around those balls in any way he wants so he's rolling the ball balls randomly and they're gonna be at different speeds and he's dribbling around the balls and then he shoots okay and my friend's comment is hey this is more game like this is more of a simulation of the game and this is too difficult for me to explain on on social media but to me no it's it is a fun way to make a technical drill more challenging and to engage the kids and it adds a level of technical variation now right because you got to Measure, you got to really adjust to the speed of the ball, where the ball is going. You got to be able to finish everything is moving. So, you're adding a level of technical variation there, right? So, you might, so for me in my world, I would start with that same drill with some static cones, and then I might do the roll the balls and blah, 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 and do that. And then I'm, but those are technical variations. It does not become game like, in my opinion, until you have an objective, which in this case would be scoring. You got to score the goal. The reward would be you actually scoring if that's what you're trying to do. There has to be a consequence for you're not achieving this goal. um, And there has to be some degree of opposition. Somebody got to, someone has to take the ball from you when you don't do whatever it is you're trying to execute. To me, that's game like Other than that, it's technical variation. And why do I say that? Because as parents hearing this stuff, and I talk to parents all the time, they hear this stuff they're drawn to this language of, oh, the training has to be game-like. I just saw a trainer today um, um, passing the ball five or six times to the kids, they turn and shoot. And that's nothing wrong with that. But I just want to be clear, that's not game-like. That's just technical variation. Technical variation is important, but don't confuse the criticism of unopposed training with trying to make unopposed training game like i guess i'm basically saying unopposed training unopposed technical training variation um collaborative unopposed collaborative training that only can take you so far that's effectively what i'm trying to say it only can take you so far you're not going to be able to squeeze but so much game like you can't you can't squeeze game like um effectiveness out of these unopposed settings now so if you're if your view is that's why i don't do unopposed uh technical training i gotta do another show on this but i think you're missing some extremely important um things that i that i look at in unopposed training that you probably are not aware of because or at least you don't care about them and that's fine too um because i think there's a lot that can happen in an unopposed environment. But if that's your point, hey, that's why I don't do unopposed. I only do opposed and and game-like stuff. That's fine too. But I guess I'm basically trying to say, you can't get some of the things that I get out of unopposed training, you can't get that in a real game-like environment or drill. And you can't get some of the things that I look for in a game-like drill. You can't get that in an unopposed uh, environment. It just doesn't happen. And so I don't know if this message makes any sense to anyone. I don't know if this message is going to help anyone. But I'm just going to summarize it one more time. When my sons hit the field, I know in my mind they're doing unopposed training, um, unopposed technical variation to that training. They're doing some collaborative unopposed technical training. Then we're going to do some 1v1 and other games where uh, they're opposed and then when i have groups of kids like in my clinic we do a lot of game like simulations moving passing that kind of stuff and these are patterns and um situations that they're going to need to call upon in real games but and then finally there is the game and not to overcomplicate it but the game starts with free play you just playing right and all that stuff that we're talking about you're pulling out in a free play environment and that goes all the way up to um, a structured environment. And one of the reasons why free play is so important because it gives you an opportunity to tap into all of that variation um, that you've been practicing. And the reason it's important that you you have that environment to tap into that technical variation is because you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And in a free play environment, which we talked about, the consequences will not be as dire as they are in a structured environment, right? Which brings me to the final point. In order for something to be game-like, when you hear me drop the G word, then there are four components that's got to be in place. There's got to be some kind of objective. There has to be opposition there has to be a reward and there's got to be a consequence for not um for for your mistake that to me is 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 a game like drill and the criticism you hear of unopposed training oh you can make the unopposed training more game like it's just they can add technical variation but without those four components i just don't think it's nearly as effective as they are saying when it comes, as they're thinking when it comes to the game. And let me belabor the point one more time because because they spent, they're they spending so much time trying to make an unopposed and unopposed technical variation, quote unquote game-like, they're reducing the amount of repetitions. And oftentimes they're reducing the variation that really, really drives Um, the skill acquisition so that when the child is in the opposed environment, they can excel. So I hope I did not lose you. This was a relatively long one. It's something that's twirling around in my head. I would love to get your feedback on it. Um, I don't know if it makes any sense. I'm so hesitant to even publish this one, but hey, I've spent this much time on it. You're going to have to hear it one way or the other. But uh, yeah, that's that's just my two cents there. So definitely, this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do. And again, to supercharge your unopposed technical training, your unopposed technical variation, your collaborative technical variations training, and your opposed uh, training uh, sessions. So you can get any time soccer training to do all that. And in terms of the game stuff, you can, you can kind of do it. But that's where I love to put my kids in a club environment that brings the most out of them. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And let's get better together. <laughs>